Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched John Wick Chapter 2, directed by Chad Stahelski and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. John Wick is dragged back into the Hitman game only to find the tables have been turned on him. We're going to sound a spoiler warning for this movie. I know it's been out for a while in other countries, but it's only just out in Australia. So if you want to go see it, go do that and then come back and listen to our review. Yeah, we waited ages for this and I don't quite know why. The first one was kind of a sleeper hit when it came out in 2014. I know you saw it at the cinema, but I did not. And then I saw it later on. I saw it when I was in Thailand. After everybody else had seen it and it got this great word of mouth. It was a bit of a cult hit, really. Um, that kind of grew on iTunes slash home video, whatever you call it, release. And so obviously it got I a sequel. I remember it doing fairly well, though, when it was first released. Like, it well, it didn't do huge numbers, but it mm. did well. Yeah. And it was still a surprise that it did as well as it did. It was a real word of mouth one, though. Yeah. It was one where people saw it and went, oh, there's this movie and it's really good and you should go see it. And it, it was. I mean, it was super violent, but also just kind of it worked really well. Keanu Reeves was great. It's all about a man taking revenge on people who killed his dog, so you really root for him. Well, I think there's that. I mean, it's got a hook, which is good. But I think the thing about John Wick that works really well is that it's got a very, very specific, clean aesthetic. It's got a very specific, clean internal logic, which I think is great. Like everything within this world makes sense within this world. You never have anything that's <laughs> – yep. I mean, it, it's silly thinking of it in our world, but like within this, within the world that they've set up, within this, this – fiction that they've created they have rules and they have the rules follow certain guidelines you know Mm -hmm. they they, within the world everything makes sense Mm -hmm. you have to follow certain rules and you always have to be consistent in certain things and they never break those rules Mm -hmm. so like it doesn't really matter what's thrown at you you know that it will make sense here yeah you feel like you're in safe hands with this storytelling does that make sense Mm, that Um, does make sense and it also makes like this movie also follows the rules that have been set up for it. Mm. They're silly. Some of them are really silly. Like you can sew a lining into a suit and it'll be bulletproof. Yeah, well. You can sew a bulletproof lining into a suit. But the rule works because he gets shot in the suit and he doesn't get hurt. Then at one point he gets shot through his shirt and he does get hurt. Right. And so when, it makes, when he doesn't have that suit. Yeah, yeah. everything is like they, they set up. The, but that's the thing is that they set up these things, you know, if you if, when he's wearing that suit, then then when he gets shot, he won't. Mm. Um, he does get hurt, but he won't get killed. Mm. But there's other, you know, all these little things like in the first movie, um, he always he'll shoot somebody, but he always shoots them in the head mm. every time he'll shoot them in the head the second time because he wants to make sure that they're dead. Yeah. And he does it consistently every time. Yep. There's no question that that's what John Wick is going to do. So it's really, really good to see something that's so that they're so careful and, and precise and consistent. And I like that because a lot of movies, I'm thinking about like the Fast and the Furious franchise mm. and, and various other things, will try and sort of establish rules and then break them and all that sort of stuff and try to outdo themselves and top themselves and things. Mm. But with John Wick, even when it's trying to outdo itself or top itself, it still fits into the rules that they've created and they've established. Mm. It never breaks those. And I like that. Yeah. And I think um, it actually does a pretty good job. I think I enjoyed the first third of this movie immensely. Like I was having so much fun. It's got this wonderful cold open. You just dropped straight into this opening scene with Peter Stramari and his gang of stolen John Wick's car and he's come back to get his car back. And that uh, the first probably, yeah, probably the first third is really, really great. But it did get a bit slow over the middle. It kind of 
some of the stuff dragged on a little too long towards the end and I started to get bored a bit. But I think I had the same problem with the first John Wick is mm. that it's like it's kind of wearing to see this much action, mm-hmm. this loud and this in your face. It was so loud, by the way. So loud. Um, and this in your face for that long. Mm. Um, and, like, and this one felt a little longer. Yeah, and there were some really good bits in the second half, like the stunt work, particularly the stunt work of Common and, and Keanu Reeves. There's a fight they have in mm. Italy where they roll down flights, three flights of stairs. And then keep fighting for a keep solid fighting couple on cobblestones. Like the stunt work in that is astounding. But And it, it all looks so good and you always believe it's them and it's really, the really – fight, co- fight choreography yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, and they um, continue later on in a train. Like they, the fights are amazing but it – it is kind of at that point starting to drag a bit. Yeah, I think it just I, I I think it just wears that it's this much action this intensely for this long. Yeah, and there's lots of plots as well. Like there's the plot to kill what's named sister Gianna, and there's the plot to uh, and um, there's like th- there's three acts which works nicely of course. But there's just a lot of like okay, firstly we're going to do this thing, and then this is what we're going to achieve, and then that's going to go wrong, and it just kind of mm-hmm. there's a lot to kind of keep straight in your head. The guy who played the bad guy in this, I've never seen him in anything, and mm. he's fantastic. Mm. He is so good in this movie. Um, he's an Italian actor. Yeah, I looked him up. I haven't seen anything that he's in um and i haven't heard of most of it but i thought he was like he was like straight out of sort of the golden age of hollywood right Mm. like he looked like he would be perfectly comfortable opposite like humphrey bogart in a movie or something like that and he just Mm. owned this he was so good yeah he reminded me a little bit of like rufus sewell actually is who who he looks like well he's got those big um beautiful Mm. eyes with the eyelashes and the curly hair yeah his name's ricardo scamacho and um yeah he was he was so captivating. Yeah. He was terrific. Like, from the moment he walks in, you know that this is, like, a guy that you don't, you know, want to be crossing. Mm. But at the same time, he's kind of that foppish, like, and arrogant. And But he, he does it all. I mean, it's not a character we haven't seen it seen mm. before, but he does it really, really well. well. Yeah. The, I mean, the way he walks into a room and sort of owns it. Yeah. The way he sits at that table with his empty coffee cup and his coin, just, like, nonchalantly – Really good sort of physical stuff, like mm. relaxed, but also you know that he's coiled like a spring and could jump in any time. Yeah, he was terrific. I was really impressed with him. I think the whole supporting cast of this movie are great. Mm. Um, he's in it. Um, Peter Serafinowicz is in like one <gasps> scene and steals it mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. easily. He's great. This is what I mean about so many things going on. Because like at the end I'm like, oh, wait, there was the bit with Peter Serafinowicz. Oh, there was the bit with, you know, the woman in the bath. Just kind of you, trying to remember all the things that have happened in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yes. Lawrence him, Fishburne. La- oh, Lawrence Fishburne, yes. Choose like, some scenery. Like Pac-Man. Like he just devours that scenery. He is going full ball. And it's really funny because, of course, it's a Matrix reunion as well. But so that's, that's what you, makes it great, though. Yeah. People love the Matrix and they love this reunion and they love Lawrence Fishburne, you know, grandstanding as he does. Yeah, it's so it's so funny, that, that whole section. And um, who was the other person that I thought was really good? Oh, and Lance Reddick is back. Mm. Ian McShane is so good in oh, this in, movie. I, yes, yes. He's fantastic. Um, Ruby Rose is fine. Mm, yeah. Um, at least they give her more to do than they gave – was it Adrian Palicki in the first one who was the um, – I think you might be right. Um, other assassin mm. who like – the female assassin who barely yeah, gets anything I to think, do. I think that might be it. There's some serious sexism built into this world as well. Mm. Yeah, um, well, I mean there's like that, four women in this whole thing. No, that's not true because we see so many women in that oh, um, the assassins. accounts payable. Yeah, right. That's true, we do. all this weird like 50s Only- aesthetic with – 
girls with like lots of tattoos. Yeah. Well, actually, that's kind of interesting because only one of those women actually talks, which is the accounts payable lady. So when no, I said more than one does, because the there's one who takes the um oh, the phone the phone call. call. Right. There's another one that talks as well, and then there's the accounts payable yeah. lady. And I thought that was really interesting because it shows like the business of the continental going on and the. It's this clever sort of they've used they've never actually updated their techniques to be modern because they're old the old fashioned techniques are a lot harder to trace and a lot easier to get rid of if you know they yeah. get busted by the police there's nothing on a disc or anything so it's really it's Although both clever no police in this world no it, don't, so don't be ridiculous so it's both clever and also they get to play around with the aesthetic of the sort of 1950s office girls with tattoos and weird hair and stuff there are no police in this world no no. There are no consequences for anything that happens except for from within the community. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's no um, airport security because <laughs> John Wick just goes everywhere. Oh, and yeah, in- with his all of his guns and everything. There's no security at, like, major events. The thing they go to in Rome, which I think is on a private property, it, I mean, it's actually filmed at the Roman Forum and in, inside the Colosseum, I'm pretty sure, but – it looks like it's at a private property in Rome. Like there's no security. He just wanders in with all of his guns and comes in through the catacombs. And there is kind of a little nod to a plot of him figuring out a way to come in from underneath the building. Mm. But they don't really make any, you know, that's not the interesting part of the getting ready to do the heist thing. Oh, there's no setup for these things. There's no heist. It's just John Wick goes somewhere, shoots everybody. Well, the, no, there leaves. is that. Like, the, and- when he arrives in Rome, there's the great setup where he visits the sommelier mm. and the t- Pedicerian image and the tailor and the um, but even that's not really maker. like a I mean but that's not planning the job that's just him getting the tools of the job <laughs> the actual plan for the job takes all of thirty seconds because he always knows what he's going to do right and that's the thing is that like you never ever doubt that John Wick's just going to win everything that he every encounter well, that he comes I mean across. the bits where he's trying to get out of that place that he's got to get out of in in Rome he's like shooting people at random really rapid fire they're all henchmen. No, none of the bystanders even get close to being hurt. And that's hilarious because there's so many scenes in this movie where there's heaps of bystanders, particularly when he's in that train station mm. and Common is walking above him and they're trying to like subtly shoot at each other. With their silences on. With and there's the- just people everywhere, but they don't hit each other or anybody. And um, then they get on the train and they're like having this full on fist fight in the train with like eight people in the train who all just <laughs> sit there like, oh, it's New York. But hilariously, they all jump off the train at the next stop. I know, but you'd think somebody on that train would either be like... Call the cops, go to the driver. Mm -hmm. Call the cops, try to stop it, film it, Mm -hmm. or scream. Scream. Nobody screams in this movie. People get shot and they just go, and then they die. Oh, someone gets shot on stage at a rock concert. Yeah, and everybody just And they keep playing. I'm telling you, this is a lawless, like, mm. um, alternate universe where the only law is assassins. Yeah. And it looks cool and it sounds cool. Like, that. We, you were talking about how loud it is. And, my God, it is really loud. It, it doesn't sound cool. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Like, the sound mixing and stuff is great. The sound editing. Mm. But the music is straight out of, like, 2002. Yeah, but what I mean, what sounds cool is the way that they've edited this. It was I was actually going to where you were going, which is that Sorry. the sound edit sounds really cool, and they use the music. Like the yes, the music is straight out of two thousand and two, but they use the music to like they integrate it with the gunshots really well. Yeah, all the way through the movie, and it just it sounds cool when they do that. Yeah, the score itself, like the way mm. that the score oh, integrates, yeah. is great. But like the songs that they use, oh no, no, are bizarrely like weirdly two thousand early two thousands. Everything in this movie just sounds exactly like maybe it's set in the early two thousands. Every 
everybody seems to have those crappy little phones, except John, who has like a, an iPhone. An no, iPhone. Some of them have iPhones. Peter, uh, not Peter Stamari, um, Ian McShane has like an iPhone 6. Okay. At the end. But it, they, they do. Well, I, I, again, I feel like they have the crappy little phones because it's like harder to trace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, that makes perfect yeah. sense. But like, I was just trying to make some kind of um, rationale Maybe. for the crappy yeah. score, not score, the crappy soundtrack. Songs. It's so it's so strange. Like it was really distracting for me that they kept choosing these songs, and I was like, "Why? Why is this happening?" There was like a full on like grunge song over the credits. Yes, that was so weird. It's such a weird thing to choose. Mm. Um, I mean, everything about this is just really like easy, cool. Like this, everybody knows what they're in for with this, mm. and everybody's on board with doing what this movie suggests. Uh, you know what it's going for. I mean, John Wick is not trying to be like high art. No, that's why I think the f- particularly the first bit, it feels like being in one of the good Fast and Furious movies. You know, it's silly, but you, you're on board for the ride. It's like, it is, I guess it's like going on an amusement park ride. You just, you turn up and you just let them take you. Right. And this one, I, it, it still carries on, I think, the really unified aesthetic of the mm. first one. The sh- some of the shots are really amazing and you, everywhere they go, you sort of, it looks like a John Wick movie. They do really cool things with like water and reflection and stuff like that. It's it's got that noirishness about it. Um, but you're... it's that really high contrast, um, mm. you know, bright colors and dark, dark, dark yeah. shadows. And I mean, um, and Keanu really owns this role. He, he owns does. this movie. He's. It's funny because he does like. I feel like a lot of the time there are people just acting rings around him in scenes and he basically just has to stand there and deliver Uh, a few words. That's the thing though, like he's all presence. He's not, he doesn't, he hardly talks at all. Like he has limited lines. (laughs) They're in Russian and Italian and sign language. There's at one point he says Helen. And he drags it out to almost Helen. three. It's so weird. Helen. Helen. And then the Italian actor who's acting against him says it like a like native English speaker. Helen. Well, yeah. But, I mean, she her, she was great. Like, yeah. that, she and, and the other Italian guy mm. um, had no trouble with the English dialogue. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. It's not that it was, only, it was that it showed up because yeah. that, that was what showed it up. But that, the thing is, though, he's – it's almost better that he doesn't – he's this enigma. You know, people talk about John Wick. John Wick is known by reputation and kind of... I guess, but I think the thing about John Wick, like the thing that Keanu Reeves brings to this and the thing about John Wick is that he's brutal. Mm. He just smashes through everybody. So that's what, like, he brings it in the action scenes. Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, like, in the in the non-action scenes, I was sort of like, okay. But the script is minimized because it's playing to his strengths. Yes. And I, I don't get me wrong, I like Keanu Reeves as a person <laughs> yeah but you're right there are really good actors all around him and he is sort of getting by on presence but he owns the yeah everything that he's in but yeah he does he he's do- doing a good job of what he's doing i just think like you, you watch him opposite like ian mcshane or ricardo that guy yep um <laughs> the guy who's playing what is it santino d'antonio mm. d'antonio yep and then his sister was gianna mm. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I have that much to say about John Wick too. No, it's just so it, like it, it's what it does, what it says on the tin. Yeah, like I do think that it's harder to root for John in this one. He doesn't have the excuse of "you shot my puppy." Yeah, like he has to do this because it's part of the contract and it's part of the rules or whatever. But then the end of the movie, he just breaks the rules anyway, mm-hmm. um, and everybody comes after him, and you don't really get a sense of the journey that he's going on in this movie. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, just yes. Because the last one, at the beginning of this film, you, 
he is the John Wick from the last movie, the guy who had lost his puppy, went through all that shit and went, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And yes, it was a surprise hit and then they have to kind of work from there to make a sequel happen. But you never quite like – he feel, he gets sort of dragged into it. But and he's then, not very sympathetic because he just he's kind being of, dragged into murdering somebody. Mm, and then mm. he doesn't really straight up murder her. She kills herself and then he kills her kind mm. of. But it's still really like uh, when he's shooting all those people who like the hit's been put on him, mm. you're kind of like, well, those guys are just you. Yeah. Like they're not particularly bad or good in this world. No. <laughs> they're just like you. So you don't yep. really like it's not like he's going after some horrible, horrible puppy killers. Mm. And yeah, you know, Santino D'Antonio is a pretty awful person. He puts a mm. hit out on his sister and does it only for, you know, the so power. That he can, and, yeah. Yep, make a power grab and whatnot. Right, and then he turns around and stabs him in the stabs John in the back, and that's mm-hmm. awful. But at the same time, it's not you killed a puppy. Awful, like no. It, there's no kind of, and it's ha- a lot harder to be sympathetic towards him. But also, like you don't really know where the turnaround point is that he decides that he's going to shoot this guy and break all the w- rules in the hotel. No, that and and yes, he's probably because he's not a strong enough actor. But you you don't you just see him. He just kind of shows up. And yeah, there's no, there's no sign that he hit a breaking point. Mm. There's no sign that, mm. like, there's a reason why he's decided to go with this in the end. You kind of have to extrapolate a mm. lot. And it's not just because he's a, not the strongest actor, although I think that's part of it. I think it's also because there's not – there's like, they didn't give him the opportunity mm. to show that. There's no moment when he has, has to talk it out with somebody. There's this bit just before it when Santino's telling him, oh, I think you're addicted to the vengeance, but that feels like a really flimsy excuse. And Santino – kind of deserves better as a death because he I, has been yeah. so good and so dominant. I kind of think it's cool that his death is like that big turning point for John. Yeah. I just feel like we needed more of an explanation of it. He should mm. have had a chat with Ian McShane about it or with Lance Reddick about it before mm. it happened. Or we should have – before it happened, there should have been a moment, something that happened on his way there because all we, we see him walking there, which is a, a you know a refrain that we go back to. Or something that, happens on that walk that makes him do this, makes him change his mind. That's not that hard. I feel like I could just like make my own John Wick scene. It basically starts with him in a fancy building where like somebody over his shoulder says John Wick and then he walks out and then he like starts fighting people and he pulls their arm between his legs and holds it while he shoots somebody else in the head. <laughs> like there's this thing that like the same things happen over and over and over yeah. and over again. But uh, you know that's that that is consistent, and it's not like this. There's any lack of creativity in the fight choreography here. There's plenty. The fights are amazing. They're the really fights are well amazing. They're really fun and interesting. The one in the catacombs is so great. Mm-hmm. The one in the end with the Hall of Mirrors that um, oh reminded my- me of Tango and Cash. Yeah, but it's it's impressive. Oh yeah, it's very it's impressive. Really I, well done. I honestly was sitting there watching it for a while, going, "I wonder how they got the cam, like how much time they spent erasing the camera from." Yeah. <laughs> Like or setting up the shots so that you couldn't see it in the first place. It was. I have a feeling incredible. it's more likely that they took it out watching the movie, which makes Tango and Cash all the more um, impressive because they wouldn't have had the technology then to no, do that. They but, wouldn't have. Um, Tango and Cash is not a good movie. Don't get are, me wrong. But um, yeah, well, and, me of and that. obviously, it's not the whole of Mirrors thing is not unusual. No, it's not a new trope. People know how to film it, but it. Was I did cool like it being a pretentious art exhibit thing though. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that was, was great. really funny. Um, yeah, that was especially like it was all about, you know, who are you and stuff. And mm. that's kind of the question that John Wick always asks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the movies are about. Who is he as a person, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. And they do kind of go into that in the first two thirds. 
But the last third is all action and I feel like we needed that turning point to see yeah. what broke him, what made him break the rules of the hotel that he's always respected. Yeah. Um, because there is a moment at the beginning when he's that blows talking, everything up for him because he d- the last one he doesn't blow all everything up for himself. He can go back if he needs to. Yeah. And there's that moment, you know, when in the beginning of the movie he's talking to Ian McShane and he's clearly frustrated with the rules, right? Mm. He clearly doesn't want to have to follow the rules anymore but then he keeps doing it mm. for the whole movie. So where's the point at which he decided not to? Yeah, and it's it's setting up for the next movie and the next movie. <laughs> what are you talking about? Will, this was clearly meant to be the end with that like ending with him just running away from all <laughs> of the. And the next movie is going to be interesting because the next movie, he's not going to have all the resources he had for this yeah. movie in the first movie. Well, he's going to be uh, Tony Stark in Iron Man 3. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it'll be him and his dog on the run. Mm-hmm. I hope the dog features into the next one more. That's the most well-behaved dog that's ever been in any movie. Um Nameless mm. dog. He's but a good dog. He is a good dog. But also the dog, I was really worried like as a dog owner. Mm. Um, I kept wondering about like who's going to take responsibilities for the dog. What if John dies while the dog is like, you know, running yeah. around with him? What will they, who is going to take care of the dog? John, you need to sort your shit out. Yeah. And make sure that somebody's going to take the dog in if you die. I know this worries me too. And uh, I mean, even just all the walking around and stuff, like what if the dog gets injured or something like that? There seems to be no time to take the dog to the vet or any of that kind <laughs> of stuff. Or for a walk or anything. Oh, the dog has there's plenty a, of walks. Oh, there's a moment when he's playing ball with the dog and I'm like, finally, he's doing something that the dog will enjoy Yeah, and instead of just sitting around with the dog. I feel like Lance Reddick was taking the dog for walks. Lance Reddick, was looking I feel it. like Lance Reddick would be a great uh, – Lance Reddick's character would be a great dog owner. He's very yeah, responsible. He's absolute. That dog is going to the vet. He's got all his shots. He gets to play outside every day. Well, the dog was adopted from a shelter, so I'm sure that the dog got all the shots and stuff, and it seems like not very long before this movie that that happened. Right. So. I was just being, you know, (laughs) I know, but yeah. Um, Oh, God, we've gotten too far into the dog owning now. Well, I was concerned about it, okay? Yeah, and you you for the dog. And I did kind of, my attention wandered a few times in this movie. Yeah, I was... I was just getting tired by the end. It was actually pretty early. There was a moment when I completely zoned out. It was when he... When there was that Jewish guy, mm, yeah, I totally zoned out for about five minutes at that point, and then he was walking out, and I was like, "Oh, I missed something. Oh, that, I don't know what he happened." Is, he had a safe deposit box there, and the safe deposit box had a change of clothes and he, into his uniform, you know, the black turtleneck and the black suit, and you know, some guns and passports and money and things. Okay, it was it's one of his bolt holes, one of his go bags, you know. Oh, okay. I I yeah. I wasn't paying any attention for like yeah. a solid couple minutes. Just oh, uh, I I didn't have that, but I did. I yeah, struggled to stay awake through some of it, which is in a movie this loud and this action packed. I shouldn't be feeling that way, even though you know, yes, I did get up early, but it's yeah. I well, I think that's that part of the part of the thing about this movie is that it because it's that like nonstop. Mm. tension and violence and in your face kind of stuff when it goes away you just kind of have to switch off for a minute yeah and and that and the interesting bits are the bits where he comes across you know interesting characters where where he gets taken to Lawrence Fishburne for example or anytime Ian McShane shows up when he gets to Lawrence Fishburne it's so funny and they're they're like they're like network of tramps it really is like this conspiracy is so vast that it seems like almost everyone in this world is in Yeah, because no sooner has the hit been put out on John Wick, all he has to do is like catch a train and wa- he, he walks somewhere and there's like 75 assassins on his tail. And Common, who he just saw in Italy, who happens to be in the same place as him has in New York. gotten back at the same time. Were they on the same flight, you know? 
Like, it's so strange. It's so, uh, you know, once you actually start picking apart the logic of this movie, what it seems like is something like Doctor Strange where all the hotels are, like, interconnected and you just walk (laughs) into one and walk out of the other one. That would make sense, actually. Yeah, that's more logical than this. Like, they they end the fight on the street in the hotel, the Italian one. How does that work? Is he trying to get back to the hotel? We haven't established that he's trying to go back to the hotel. So how come the fight that he has with Common ends in the hotel and well, then they he, have to he separate? He comes out of the party thingy, then Common and he walks for a bit, and then Common finds him in the car. Like Common's in a car, and he hits him in the, with the car. They roll down the stairs, have the fight, and roll down more stairs, and end up in the hotel. Right. So is that how he got there? Well, we didn't I mean, see any of that. The hotel. Well, but if she. Which means the hotel no, no, is but like the thing two is, minutes away. The party is at her private estate. She is a high up ranking person in the Continental Group at the high table or whatever. I don't, and the Continental Hotel separate. is right near. I believe oh. that the high table and the whatever it is. <laughs> Everything has names in this movie is separate from the Continental because right. that that's an argument that Santino and Ian McShane have towards the end of the movie, right? Where he's like, "You know that I can demand this," and he's like, "You can't demand shit because there's like yeah, right. two separate organizations." Well, okay, well, my explanation worked until I knew that <laughs> it did. Mm. But this is what I mean: like the the logic of the movie, every it seems like mm. everything is very close together, well, and or were, there's a lot of coincidences. And they they got their you know Italian tax credit for filming in Italy, so they tried to like hit as many major Roman landmarks as they could when they were filming there. Yeah. And how does the currency work? The, the, the gold single coins. gold coins that they pass around. Like they God put one gold coin down. There's no, there seems to be no differentiation <laughs> for different services rendered well, in like, terms of how much money there was. One gold coin will get you a hotel room, but like you need to give three to the homeless guy who'll get you to Lawrence Fishburne. Right, but that doesn't happen in this movie. It's just one for everything. No, th- that's what I mean. He gives like three to the homeless guy, more than one to the homeless guy. Does he? Yeah. So the the like logic of how much the value to currency ratio doesn't make any sense. All I remember is, is him constantly putting down one. He mm. puts one on every table. He just puts one. No, there's actually some where he doesn't. He puts two or three. Yeah, oh, I didn't notice that. All right. And well, I was trying to work it out too because I'm like, these do not reflect the value of these items in any kind of human currency. Right, exactly. You're like, how are we supposed to work this out? But that doesn't matter. And then there also there are all the coins in the um, those fancy wooden boxes yeah. that Peter Stramari is making or he's stolen a whole heap of them and there's something – and also Keanu has a stash of them underneath the concrete in his house where he... And is this how all currency in this world works? Because there's $7 million, right? So they still mm. have the regular... Yeah. Why is it $7 million and not 7 million gold coins in exchange and for this? I, well, it seems like the gold coins only work amongst other continental members. Is that what that is? Well, I believe so. They means, only ever use them with each other. That means that Lawrence Fishburne is also in that group. I assume so, yes. Okay. I, I don't I don't clearly don't know all the rules of this world. <laughs> like there's, well, there's clearly I mean some... when you once you start picking at it as well. It's like it's not designed for you to dig into this movie. It's designed for you to watch it and go, "Wow, that's violent." Or, "Oh, that's cool." Or, I'm "Oh my sh- god, that fight." You know, I'm convinced to- that the hotels are con- connected like the Sanctum Sanctorums. That is actually the only thing that makes any sense because he's there's no way he's getting through any airport security ever. But also we watch him put on a suit in like New York, right? And strap a gun to himself and then he's in Italy in the same suit. He has no suitcase. He's taken nothing else with him. How does he get a gun through the airport? Unless he at some point like went to Italy before we saw that. So, I mean, no. Well, he goes to Italy and he gets gun. He doesn't. He gets guns there from 
Peter Serafinovich, but he he also like has. But he has a gun before that. Yeah, and also he comes back to the passport York. bit when he is it, you told me he gets the passport. Wasn't that in New York? That was in um yes, that was in New York. But that yes, and he gets a and gun. There's a gun said. there. Yeah, he does. So and then he and gets then more guns the, when he gets to that's Italy. The same clothes he's wearing in when he's in Italy. Uh, so he just yeah he went. He to- travelled via Sanctum Sanctorum. He he did. That everything <laughs> works if you buy that. I'm just saying that there's like it's mm. so it's also slick. That yeah, you just sort of brush past these things where you're like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the very end of the movie when everybody in the park is working for Ian McShane, <laughs> everybody. I'm like, how did you get all the people who don't work for Ian McShane out of this public park? They hired extras and closed it down for the day. That's how they did that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not with the filmmakers, like within the movie. Yeah, Ian McShane hired extras and closed down the park for the day. That's the only logical explanation. They're, they're all extras who are wearing headpieces. Mm-hmm. And then like he's John Wick's walking out of the park and everybody's looking at him and you're like, everybody? These are all assassins? It's, How many assassins are there in New York? Is it like yeah. superheroes? There's like, New York is a city of like 10 million people and everyone's on the payroll. Yeah, everybody. Literally, ever the woman with the baby was on the payroll. Who yeah, saw him well, actually, past. she did look like she might have been on the payroll the way she was looking at. Yes, him. no, that's what I mean. Yeah, like he, the implication, and then you saw them all in the park mm. before that when they all froze. Yeah, and then- well, so that I started worrying there about like that that was seemed like a really dangerous thing to do to take the baby out and all that kind of stuff. Is there really a baby in that carriage? You know, <laughs> this is again us worrying about the. Really I'm like, important- who's take? Like, who's why would you do this? What if the baby gets hurt while you're out there assassinating? What about the baby and the dog, damn it? Yeah. Um, but this is what yeah. we care about. Assassinating. That's what I mean. I think everybody yes. in this world, this is the law of this world. It's just this assassin-like mm. situation. Yeah. That's all there is. There's no cops. Mm. Do we ever see it? Oh, no, we do. Right at the beginning, it's Don from the newsroom. What's that actor's name? Remember Jimmy? Oh, yeah, and there's a fire brigade at, um, yeah. at his house to... So where are they? I don't know. And there's clearly none in Italy because somebody gets shot on stage at a concert and no paramedics come to help them. Where are all the people who work here? (laughs) Why do they disappear for so much of this movie? Where are the police officers? (laughs) Also, that seems now so anachronistic. The bit at the beginning when his house is on fire, which has clearly been set on fire by this guy, Mm. and he's like, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy the cop. I don't remember, know why I remember this. Uh, probably because I well, presumably because he's part of the Continental, they've paid off all the cops, and then you know yeah. nobody asks well, any that's questions. What he, says. he says, "Are you working again?" Mm. Yeah. So, like, obviously, everybody in this world <laughs> knows about the assassin ring. I think it's just that they are the like main law of this land. Mm. It seems that way. Anyway, it's anarchy. It's anarchy. It's an anarchic world. Yeah. What time is it? We've finished. It's thirty thirty three minutes. So do we? Can we? Is there anything else we need to say? I feel no. No. There wasn't – Oh, I just feel like there's not a lot in here to unpack. No. It's no. pretty straightforward. Yeah. So what are you giving it? No, no female henchmen either. I was a bit disappointed. And th- Apart from Ruby Rose, yeah. who's like a featured yes. one. There's no female henchmen. Yeah. And she's playing a disabled character, although she herself is not deaf. She's playing a deaf character. No, I think she's playing a mute character. Oh. She He talks to her a couple of times and she understands right. him without the um, – doesn't really matter. But, yeah, it reminded me of um, what's-her-name in Kingsman, Sophia Batella. Yep. Yeah, that sort of thing is – I mean, it's like – and and also the moment you see her, we were both like, oh, it's Ruby Rose. Mm. And the moment I saw Common, I was like, oh, Common, 
he's going to come back. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- yeah, and the way he dies as well is clearly – He didn't die. No, that's, that's what I mean. Like yeah. he gets stabbed in the aorta, so he didn't – sorry, he doesn't die. Yeah, the, the featured ones don't die. Ruby yeah. Rose, I don't think, dies. Well, there's not proof No, well, she, well, she was a bit like common. She got stabbed but wasn't dead when we left her, so yeah, there's a survival possibility. As If you've got a name, <laughs> if people know what your name is, then you don't die in these movies apparently yeah. um, unless, you know, you're the bad guy. Yes. I would like to see that guy in more movies. I He's thought he was great. great. Yeah. So great. And the woman playing his sister as well. She yeah, they more were more Italian terrific. movies. They were great. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I will give this three stars. Yeah, I I think I'm three stars. It does what it says on the tin is really all I can say about this movie. You know what you're getting in for when you go and see a John Wick movie. And it delivers that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes they're on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you want to find us on social media we are at screen underscore queens on twitter facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr thank you for listening bye bye